Well, this is the first big change uh, that you're going to have in the service is that uh, we want to focus on the message. And then we actually want to actually um, have some more worship as God's word has been presented. And then we, we kind of continue to open up our hearts to God and then kind of close it at the uh, end of the service. Um, you remember that two weeks ago, uh, we began looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 through 16. And there we kind of introduced, uh, Paul introduced us to kind of the bittersweet reality of redemption. I mean, there are two sides of redemption. To those who receive God's redemption, Christ's redemption, we have eternal life. There's hope. There's heaven waiting for us. We have a family of God to be a part of. We have eternal glory that is waiting for us. But the other side of the coin is to those who ignore or reject Christ's offer of redemption, there waits eternal damnation. There waits eternal shame, eternal punishment. One side of the coin is redemption, saving lost sinners to an eternal glory. The other side of the coin is lost sinners are condemned to hell. And every day, people are dying. And before they die, they are facing one of these two realities concerning redemption. And the dividing point of which reality is theirs for eternity, it hinges on one what one person does, what you do with the person of Jesus Christ. Now we're going to go to again to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 through 16. Um, our first look focused on the redeemed, and we'll do some reminders of that, but I'm going to invite you to stand together with me as God's word is read. We're going to start there in verse 13. It says, For this reason, we also constantly Thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, that you accepted it, not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you also endured the same suffering at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out, they are not pleasing to God, but hostile to all men, hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they might be saved, with the result that they always fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. You may be seated. Last time together, as we looked at that, we saw Paul highlighting three points of redemption, or, or kind of three things that follow redemption, are part of a redemption. Number one, we talked about that those who are truly redeemed, you know, they become redeemed because they receive God's word as God's word. They don't receive it as, well, that's a good philosophy, or, oh, that's a good way to live one's life. They receive it as, this is the word of God. God is speaking to us. He has revealed himself to us. And, and, and they let it perform its work in them. Secondly, those who were redeemed of God became imitators of a Christ-likeness. And then third, those who were redeemed stood firm 
during the trials that are sure to come when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Well, today we want to look at the opposite side of that coin. And starting in verse 15, I, I, really, if you, if you follow the, the style of Paul's writing, boy, he just takes a 180-degree turn here. You know, from verse 14 into verse 15. I mean, he, 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 he totally changes direction of his writing. In verse 13, 13 and 14, he talked about people who take advantage of their opportunity of faith. In verses 15 and 16, he talks about a people who respond to their opportunity of faith with unbelief. They don't accept it. And I, there's almost a, a, a con contrasting here between these two sides of redemption. The first point I want to make, if you remember, those who, who will be saved accept God's word as being from God. But those who don't believe, they reject God's word. He says in verse 15, Starting at the end of verse 14, even as they did from the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. They are not pleasing to God, but they are hostile to all men. Okay? Paul is referring here back to Acts chapter 17, and remember we looked at it earlier, and how the Jews that were in Thessalonica reacted to the word of God. In verses 4 and 5 of Acts 17, it says this, it says, and some of them were persuaded, and they joined Paul and Silas, along with a large number of the God-fearing Greeks and a number of the leading women. But the Jews became jealous, taking along some wicked men from the marketplace. They formed a mob, and they set the city in an uproar, and attacking the house of Jason, they were seeking to bring them out to the people. You see, the Jews' reaction to God's word, it, it was extreme. It was extreme rejection. Matter of fact, he talked about the Jewish people. They, they killed the prophets who were the messengers of the words of God. They killed Jesus Christ, who was the word become flesh. But, but I don't want to focus so much on the extreme measure that they went to eliminate the word. Because the point isn't the extreme measure that they took to reject God's word. You know, crucifying Christ, you know, killing the prophets. The point is that they rejected it. It doesn't matter to what level God's word is rejected. The point is rejecting it. Whether it is killing a messenger of God, like in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 37 38, talks about those who were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword, and they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, affected, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy. These are the men that they killed. And whether it is that extreme or whether it is just, you know, removing God's word from, from the public square, whether it is persecuting actively messengers of God or just mocking Christianity, you know, mocking what the Bible says, whether it's silencing the messengers of God or just dismissing it as, well, that's fine for them, or that find what they say, and just, you know, that, that's, that's your opinion. The point is, the unsaved person cuts the message that holds eternal life to them. You know, this past week, came across Mark chapter 3, it was talking about the unpardonable sin. And I know you've heard the term before, and if you've read the Gospels, you know, you've read about the unpardonable sin. 
Well, the unpardonable sin, we know it's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the messenger. The Holy Spirit is the part of the Godhead who convicts, who opens up the heart, who, who brings about a washing and regeneration. It's an unpardonable sin because once a person cuts themselves off from the Holy Spirit, their hearts can't be opened to the gospel. That's why it, it, it's unpardonable. Quite honestly, it doesn't matter how they cut it off, whether you kill the prophets or you simply just ignore the message of God. You know, the point is you reject it. If you think about the parable of, of the sower of the seed, remember Christ told, he said, a, a, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and he, he's kind of spreading his seed out, and he says, some fell on, on you know, the path, the hard soil, and because it didn't take any root, it, it, it just, you know, was eaten by the birds, it was taken away. He says, some of the seed fell in the rocky soil, and it seemed to get a little bit of traction, but because it didn't have any depths in its roots, ultimately, you know, it was scorched by the sun. Then he said some fell among the, 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 the weeds. And, and these are kind of Christians or, or people who, you know, think that they're Christians that think, well, I'm going to mesh the word of God and Christianity with a worldliness. But that never works. You, if you have a garden, you know that. The weeds always win. The weeds always choke out the plants. You know, all three, all three, the hard ground, the rocky soil, the thorny soil, all three have the same end. And it's that God's word has no root, no fruit, and there is no salvation for it. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 23, do we have that up here? It says, the one of whom the seed was sown on the good soil, though, this is the man who hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. It's that soil, the receptiveness, the willingness to hear the word of God. Now, Paul said in verse 15, he talked about that they drove him out. Uh, Paul's not having any sort of a pity party for himself here. The point is that at the heart of all who die without Christ is the rejection of God's message and often the rejection of God's messengers. And, and, and let's be honest, folks. If we are not about the word of God and the truth of God, you know, that, that this word is God's word, if, if this isn't what we are all about here, then what are we doing here? I mean, where do we go from here? You know, come to church, because we're fun people, and, 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 and we do, you know, fun things together. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing from the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing from the word of Christ. It's all about the word of God. So the final outlook of those who do not respond to the opportunity of truth, first of all, they, they reject God's word as God's word. Secondly, they try to um, hinder other people from coming to Christ by hindering the messengers. The third thing is their punishment in suffering. Paul emphasizes their end. Make no mistake, the unsaved may ignore the word of God. They may deny it. They may mock it. They may try to destroy it. They may try to keep others from believing in the message. But just like we said last time, you can deny gravity, but that will not 
keep you from its consequences if you jump off of a building. The consequences of the truth of God's word are upon every man. He says in verse 16, they're hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they might be saved with the result that they always fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. Wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. While they may think opposing God's word is some sort of a noble cause, or ignoring it is no big deal, before God it says they are filling up the measure of their sin. And what that means is they are, they are constantly heaping up to the full capacity, the, 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 you know, to the brim, their sins. And while we may only see the fruit of a person's sin, the root, though, is the rejection of the word of God. It's the rejection of the word of God. Wrath has come upon them, it says, to the uttermost. This is their end. Um, this is an idle threat. I mean, this isn't, uh, you know, something being put out there and there's no truth behind it. This is the almighty God speaking. This is the creator, the sustainer, the all-powerful. He is saying this. You know, wrath has come upon them to the uttermost who reject the word of God, who keep other people from hearing the truth of God's word. Uh, so interesting, that phrase, wrath, to the utmost. It's the Greek word, astelos. And it's the exact same phrase used in John chapter 13, verse 1. When Christ said, now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. It could be translated, he loved them to the uttermost, estelos. He loved them ultimately to the limit. And isn't it interesting, he uses the same phrase to talk about the no-endingness of the destruction and the wrath that come upon those who reject the word of God as used to those who accept the word of God and enter into his, his grace and mercy. Folks, God's love is endless for his children. And make no mistake, God's wrath is endless for those who reject and ignore his offering of forgiveness. Now, I, want, I want to let that truth work in you for just a little bit. What Paul has put out here, the importance of the word of God and our, our reception of the word and what we do with the word. I want you to think about that. Um, we're going to call the ushers forward at this time. And we're going to take the offering. We're going to have some more worship in, in the midst of the worship. I want God to work this truth in your heart. Um, and then I'm going to be coming back at the end of the service for, for just a few more minutes. We're going to talk a little bit about the application. So if our men can come forward at this time. Let's pray together. God, our Father, I thank you just for the truth of your word. Thank you, Lord, that when I stand here and, and open this book, I know it's not me speaking. I'm not the power. You are the power. You are the truth. And God, I'm asking you to help us to take these words to heart. Father, only you know our hearts. We know them. And if there's any here, Father, who not sure whether or not they are your children, whether or not if they were to die today that they would stand before you in forgiveness and redemption. 
I ask you to work in their hearts, Lord. As we continue to sing, as we begin to worship and put our focus upon you, open up our eyes, Lord, to the truth of who you are, that you are our only hope. Thank you, Father, for this time that we have to worship you in our giving. And I pray, Lord, that, that you would receive you know, these gifts that, uh, as our first fruits has given you our very best, Lord. Thank you. In thy son's name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and put that Romans verse up. I want you to think about this for just a second here. Very simple verse, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing from the word of Christ. Jesus Christ, the word became flesh. It's all about the message. It's all about the truth. There's no way around it. This means absolutely nothing if you separate it from the word of God and the truth of Jesus Christ. And that's the truth that we put out to you today. We put out two sides of the redemptive coin. My question is, if you look into your heart today, which side are you on? Where are you in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Where are you as it comes to the word of God? As you open the book and, and day in and day out we, we read it and we preach about it and we sing about it and we, we study it. Where's, where's your heart in regards to that? You know, it struck me in my devotions this past week how sometimes as Christians we get distracted. You know, the world around us, we just see it snowballing into sin. And it's, it's so easy for us to get focused on the sin and, and and the sin problem, but the real problem is the rejection of God's word, God's truth to us. I mean, the, the, the sin is a kind of a byproduct. It's the fruit of it. The root of the heart is that we do not believe, our world, our culture does not believe God's word. But this morning, God's word has been put forth to you very, very clearly. So quite honestly, we are without excuse and I want to give you this morning that option, that choice, that if you do not know Christ as your Savior, we may have a lot of things going on with the potluck and the first fruits auction. There is nothing that's going on the rest of this afternoon that compares to you to make that decision and to give your heart to Jesus Christ. And I'm going to make myself available after the service. We have our elders, we have godly women here, whoever you would feel comfortable talking to. You don't want to leave this service if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. If he is stirring in your heart right now, I, I beg you just at least to talk to somebody about it, to express that there is nothing more important than redemption and your relationship with Jesus Christ. So we're going to pray here. I'm going to invite you to stand together with me. We're going to dismiss here. I think they're going to have a song or something for us, but I'm going to be up here if you would like to talk. Um, I'd be more than willing to sit down with you or point you to somebody who maybe you might feel more comfortable talking with um, about the Lord Jesus Christ. So will you stand together with me if you would? Father God, I so thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for the power of your word, the power of the message. Father, sometimes it, it is too good to be true that a broken, fallen sinner like me would mean so much to you that you would die to pay my penalty, to remove my sin before God the Father, to purchase me, Father, as, as your child, 
and to make that offering to every single person here. Lord, I thank you. And I just ask that if there is anyone here, Lord, just don't let them get away from here today without that, that, that conviction in their heart to, to talk, to accept you as their Lord and Savior, to accept your death on the cross for the forgiveness of their sins. God, I thank you that as a believer in Christ, I can open your word up, and Lord, it is a light to my path. And I thank you that it gives me direction for this day and how to, to navigate on this side of eternity. Help me as a believer, Lord, not to take that for granted. Give me eager eyes and hearts, Lord, and ears to hear as I open up your word. I have my devotions. I read it. I hear others speak on it. Father, we just want to be sponged to, to soak up all the word that you can give, that we can get into our lives. Thank you, God, for, for being here today. We give everything that has been done. We lay it before your cross, Father. Continue your work in us. Thank you. In thy son's name we pray. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that something